Creative Babble. So, Neil, I have a question for you because I just listened to this awesome podcast called Firebug. It's about this guy who wrote a novel about a serial arsonist, but it turns out that he was an actual serial arsonist and the novel was a form of a confession. And years ago, I watched this movie with Jake Gyllenhaal, The Nightcrawler, where he's a news photographer, but instead of waiting for the crimes to happen and listening to the police scanners, he was actually committing the crimes and reporting about it later. So I wonder, is there anything like that where fiction actually influences real life, but like in the financial world and the world of financial crime? I love that question. That's a cool angle to go down. And yeah, I do have a story for you, actually, Javier, one that comes to mind. This will not be really a Ponzi scheme per se, but it is a international fraud story. It's got lots of drama. So if you're up for something that's a little different than Ponzi, I can bring it. Yeah, let's switch it up a little bit. I'm Neil McTai. And I'm Javier Leva. And this is the Ponzi Playbook. So who are we talking about today? We're talking about Frederick L. Sharp. This guy, Fred Sharp, we'll just call him Fred, is a very interesting character who's living up in West Vancouver, British Columbia. At least that's what we think. You know, he's born in Los Angeles in 1952. But this guy, yeah, he's an interesting one. Degree in philosophy from Stanford, law degree from the University of Toronto. We're talking about a smart dude here, Fred. But what makes Fred so interesting is just kind of what you're hinting at. His life imitates art, and not just art, art that he created. Hmm. And what kind of art are we talking about? Works of fiction, novels, uh, paintings? What, what, What kind of artist is he? A little bit of all the above, and probably an artist, you know, in another brushstroke would be financial fraud. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to <laughs> the that. The art in a of the crime. <laughs> the art of the crime. So, this is a complex story. So, we're going to have to really work through this. Fred wrote a book. Okay. He wrote a book called Footloose Charlie Smith's Offshore Chronicles. Any relations to Footloose, the movie? Not that I know of, but, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, it probably doesn't help with a Google search when uh, one's trying to find his book. He buried it in SEO. So it's a little difficult to find out information about this guy. He has a generic name named Fred. He has a, a book titled Footloose. But you were able to dig up a lot of information and you've done some research on Fred, haven't you? I have. And I've read his book. I bought it online. And yeah, it's a pretty darn good read. It was written a little over 20 years ago. In the beginning of the book, he states that, you know, his mother and father were inspirational to him, in particular, as it relates to art for his mother. That is, 
he says, my mother put a paintbrush in my hands before I learned to write. But his father's, where it gets interesting, and we'll later see in terms of the financial fraud and crime story, is that his father inspired his career in international finance. So Fred, as I've been able to discover and research on him, really is an expert in securities law, international tax planning, and financial matters. So you mentioned that Fred Sharp wrote this book called Footloose, Charlie Smith's Offshore Chronicles. But tell me about the book. Like, what is it about? It's a really interesting book. It's uh, an incredible series of short sort of satires about offshore money, global politics, oppressive power. You get the feeling in it that Fred really dislikes governmental authority. And at one point, Javier, in the book, he writes that he teaches the art of tax avoision. So that's that's how he labels it. So he really doesn't like taxes and he doesn't like the government. I haven't read the book, but I found an excerpt of his book that was part of, you know, the trial. And let me read a, a short passage. It says, even the dead cat bounces when he is dropped from high enough. Jean-Pierre mused to himself. In the beginning, due to his conservative training in the banks, Renard's name did not appear anywhere. Not as an officer, director, shareholder, nothing. There was no trace of him in any company records or any public files for security regulators to use against him. This meant he had to disguise his shareholdings in order to avoid securities disclosure requirements and trading restrictions. Offshore companies were ideal for his purpose. They came from around the world, complete with nominee directors, but were still subject to his control. The perfect situation for his master stock manipulations. <laughs> I don't know how to use that, but it's so funny because in this passage, he's kind of describing, in a way, his actual plan for evading uh, security regulators, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Javier, this is what Fred's doing in the book. He's created these short satires and he's taking the reader on a journey through, you know, sort of strategies about how to avoid taxes, about how to move money, about to hide identities, about securities regulation and law. It's basically a playbook to borrow our own podcast title of how to move money around illegally, or even maybe we could question whether it might even be legal, because a lot of this is just playing within the gray area of international law. But it's not a crime to fantasize about crimes, in this case, financial crimes. But did any of these literary fantasies that Fred Sharp have ever manifest into a real crime? Well, yes, they did. And we're going to get there in just a second. But I actually want to dig a little deeper into Fred the Artist. So let me take you down another road. So we know he's written a book, but did you know that he's also a fantastic painter and sketch artist? Yeah, actually, I've seen his Instagram page and some of his work. And it's, it is actually objectively good art. You know, I mean, I think that I would see his work in, a, in an art gallery and I wouldn't even blink an eye. It looks like a legit piece of art. Yeah. And in fact, in some of those, like you mentioned in his Instagram feed, at Fred Sharp Art, you'll see his studio, right? It looks quite beautiful. He's got plenty of easels. He's certainly not new to painting. And these are surreal works. Often they include, you know, pictures of like a lone individual riding a bike 
There's often strings attached to clouds, almost like the clouds are balloons. There are these you know, ladders rising into clouds. It's very sort of bright light, but also surreal and lonely. It's hard to describe it, but his love of art, Javier, actually also passes down to his children. So go figure. Fred is also a film star, as is Fred's daughter, Natalie, in Fred's son's films. So Fred's son, Alex Sharp, is an independent filmmaker who studied in the United States. And so you're telling me that, so his son is a filmmaker and he casts his own father in a film. So, okay, that's interesting, but how does this relate to what we're talking about today yeah. in terms of financial crimes? Well, let's just put it this way. One of the films, it's named Cliff, is basically Fred's life. It is amazing to me that this film in so many ways resembles Fred's own life. It's like as if he's sitting around with his children saying, Hey, I know you all know about my massive international financial fraud schemes. So let's just, you know, write a script about it. And uh, you stars this role, I'll stars this one. But in fact, that's exactly what this movie is. And I got to tell you, I watched a clip of the film and it is a legit film. It looks like it was actually shot on film by real professionals. <laughs> And it's yes. him. It's Fred Sharp starring in this role. Now, tell me about the character that he's playing. Yeah. So spoiler alert here. Okay. I'm going to tell you what happens. It's a 30-minute flick. It's sinister. It's murderous. Almost zero words are spoken. I know we'd love to play a clip, but frankly, there really aren't. This film is definitely about financial fraud, massive international stock manipulation fraud and involves oil tycoons, exposure, risk, but it also involves things that we don't know if Fred's been involved in, but murder, murder for hire. So you watch the film and all you can think in the end is, is this Cliff character really just Charlie Smith? Is Fred actually just playing out the character of his book? That's amazing because so far we have a novel that he wrote, Footloose, which kind of documents this fictional account of financial crime. And now you have this film where essentially there's a character that's very much like the real Frederick Sharp. <laughs> and I can't help but wonder, are these works of fiction really just a recounting of his real life? Can we talk about why Fred Smith got in trouble and, and why he belongs on the Ponzi playbook? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the way I read it, this book, Footloose, it's actually kind of like a business card of sorts. It's a way for Fred Smith to appeal to uber-wealthy, educated executives, those of great wealth, but also who may have a deep distrust of government or, well, don't like to pay taxes. It's kind of like, here, I'll send you the book in the mail because you can't open a website saying, I'll help you with your international stock manipulation scheme. But you could send them a book. They could read the book. They could get inspired and say, hey, I'm going to give Fred a call. Read between the lines, right? Yeah, read between the lines. So Fred Sharp's life imitated art, but, you know, it's kind of vice versa. The art was sort of imitating Fred's life. So here are the details that we know of Fred Sharp's actual life, not the life portrayed in the film or in the book. Fred Sharp, in August of 2021, 
faced a civil lawsuit filed against him by the Securities and Exchanges Commission. And I'm going to show you some details of that lawsuit. The lawsuit accused Sharp of being a mastermind of this really sophisticated attack, we could call it, on the United States financial markets. It was a scheme to fraudulently sell millions of dollars of stocks. So here's kind of how it works, Javier. Sharp, for a fee, would approach an executive or somebody who had a significant portion of stock in a, let's say, a public company. And what he would do is he would say, hey, I can help you liquidate that stock. What we're going to do is basically we're going to do a pump and dump. That is, we're going to really boost up the value of the stock. But we're going to take your ownership off the public filings. We're going to move your ownership offshore to a shell company or an individual that's paid to sort of pretend that they own that ownership. And the reason why is because if you have 5% or more of ownership in that public company, you have to disclose that ownership in public filings. Ah. But if it's less than 5%, you can hide it. So that's what they did. So essentially, he's just setting up a bunch of fake shell companies, and it's just part of the ruse, right? Yes, that's correct. And for example, let's say someone had 20, 25% ownership of a company, he would divide that ownership up into blocks of less than 5% each. So now they don't have to be disclosed. But in addition to that, he would move that ownership into these hidden entities or these other individuals who are pretending, really just, let's call them shell individuals. And then to boot, everyone who was involved in the scheme would then pump the stock. That is, they're going to benefit from it. So they're now going to spread false information to create a buying frenzy. Basically, just stock price is going to go up. And then what they do is they dump the shares. They dump the shares on unknowing, unwitting investors in this case, U.S. investors, hence the United States getting involved. And it would be an inflated price. And then it would result in a massive profit for the beneficial owners of the shares. And that's exactly what he wrote in his own book. I quote, there was no trace of him in any company records or the public files for security regulators to use against him. Right there in black and white. He wrote it in his own novel. Absolutely. So, I mean, and it's no surprise that the SEC mentions the book Footloose throughout their complaint against Fred Sharp, right? I mean, it's basically like, hey, court, he actually is telling us how he does this and how he did it. It's, it's like his playbook. It's almost like the Zodiac killer, you know, sending cryptic messages to the media. It's like he's flaunting it. He wants to get caught? Uh, is there some sort of thrill that goes with it? I think that you're onto something with that thrill idea because in the complaint, it's mentioned that he uses the code name Bond. I mean, I, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, right? He, he actually uses the code name Bond and his international financial sort of accounting system, he called it Q. So he's like literally just leading the sort of like James Bond kind of life, you know? I don't blame him. I mean, that's a pretty cool life. 
And it's so funny because usually you think of creative people, you know, literary or artists and painters using one side of the brain and then financial fraudsters using the other side of the brain. This guy is firing on all cylinders, isn't he? He is. And, you know, when you go back to that Stanford philosophy degree, right? I mean, this is a guy who is able to sort of wrestle with Plato and Aristotle. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and then he goes and gets a law degree and an interest in international securities law. I mean, he was equipped, you know, so as he's painting and uh, envisioning those puffy clouds with strings, he's actually also masterminding international fraud schemes. And I'm curious, you know, because just like any Ponzi scheme or other white collar financial crimes, you know, eventually they get caught. And I'm wondering, how did Fred Sharp get caught? What was his downfall? Yeah, so Javier, these are really complex schemes. They're hard to understand, but they're also really, really hard to uncover because we're talking about folks who are working internationally. So U.S. law doesn't translate into Switzerland. It doesn't govern things in France, et cetera, et cetera. This is tough stuff to sort of unpack, but the SEC sure did. And they filed their complaint in August 2021 against Sharp and eight other defendants. But Sharp was the mastermind in the complaint. And that same week that the SEC filed their complaint, the Department of Justice indicted Sharp and other conspirators. And this is all in August 2021. There's some gory details here. I'd love to kind of just hit the highlights about some of the proceeds that they netted in some of their scams. Would you like to hear it out? Yeah, man. Yeah, I'd love to. So in the DOJ's complaint, Roughly between 2014 and 2018, there were a ton of cases of public companies of which Fred Sharp assisted these massive international pump and dump schemes. One of them was Vitality Biopharma Inc. Its ticker is VBIO. It's actually on NASDAQ. You can go look at it today. Fred Sharp helped a pump and dump scheme that generated proceeds of $16.8 million. There's another one. One Life Technologies, $5.2 million in proceeds. <laughs> Another one, Jeremitex Holdings, $5 million in proceeds. Pure Stacks International, $1.4 million. So you can see these totals, these $5.2, $1.4 million, et cetera, et cetera. That was what the owners, the beneficial owners of the stock were receiving through the scheme and hiding their identities, but also pumping the stocks. You know, you just described this really complex financial scam that Fred Sharp was running. I mean, look at all these shell companies and and the millions of dollars. But the crazy thing about this story is that he is still out there, right? Yeah, he's out there. Uh, If you look on his Instagram feed, he's posting his paintings. I actually even connected with him once on Instagram. And I said, how much for that painting? And he wrote back $800. Huh. Wow. For an original Fred Sharp. Yeah, I wanted to hang it on my wall, and I still kind of do, but uh, something's a little uneasy about that thought. So this guy is out there still creating art. He lives in Canada. And yes, the SEC and the DOJ, they are after this guy, but he's in Canada, right? So they, how does that work? Yeah, he's in Canada. It's hard to get him. In many ways, he's sort of offshore, as he calls it in, in his book, Footloose. That the SEC got a default judgment against him. But what's really interesting about that is, is that he never answered the SEC's complaint. In fact, 
he just never even answered the door when they came knocking with the complaint. <laughs> I mean, the guy was like probably sitting inside drinking some, you know, mojito, 18 year old <laughs> single malts reading yeah. Play Doh. That's true. Probably something more sophisticated than a mojito. <laughs> I, yeah, the scotch makes a lot more sense. And and he, he he does seem like a very sophisticated guy. He doesn't answer the door. But I got an idea. I got an idea. Why don't you reach out to him and say, hey, I'd like to buy your art. Do you mind uh, delivering it uh, to, to North Carolina and see what happens? Yeah, Javier, I often wonder about that. I mean, the DOJ issues an arrest warrant, but he's never arrested. So... But he's on Instagram posting. Presumably, he's just hanging out. And you'd wonder, why can't we find this guy? Are we trying? Fred Sharp is definitely an interesting character. I'm so glad we talked about him because this is a guy with aspirations of James Bond. And as far as we know, he's kind of gotten away with it. But I think that this isn't the last we've heard of Fred Sharp. I would definitely Google alert his name because I have a feeling that we will be hearing about this guy soon. Yeah, agreed. And certainly Canada is our neighbor. And I can't imagine that there isn't a lot of collaboration between the two governments and their regulatory bodies in an effort to find Fred Sharp and bring him to justice. All right, so that's it for today's Ponzi playbook. But Neil, what's coming up next time? Well, what if I told you that Mother Teresa ran a Ponzi scheme? Would that what? catch your attention? Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, we're going to head down to Florida. It's a different Mother Teresa, but it's a good one. <laughs> all right. You got me, man. I'm all in. So tune in next time for that Mother Teresa Ponzi scheme that I want to know all about. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at ponzi playbook and leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice it's going to help the show grow well neil i guess that's it yep that's it and uh you know as i always say whatever you do javier don't start a ponzi scheme not a good idea <laughs> <laughs>